0: The key that unlocks the door to eternal life is faith in Jesus. Here's Pastor Ed with more.
1: He answered and said, who is he, Lord? That's beautiful. That I may believe in him. Now, Gospel of John, 98 times, believe in him is listed. It's the reason, the way that a person who is a blind, begging sinner has a relationship with God. You know you're a sinner and you say God forgive my sins and take my life. Who is he that I might believe in him?
0: Son all now with hands and in this place God to dwell with man. Sick healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love. Hi there, friend, and welcome again to Grow in Grace. We're about to read about the dramatic healing of a blind man. Perhaps you feel as though your life is a mess right now, that no one could possibly love you, and if so, you're a prime candidate for the grace of God, as God delights in taking a mess and turning that person into a success for His glory. John chapter 9 is the place to be on this edition of Grow in Grace. Here's Pastor Ed, picking up in verse 3.
1: Verse 3, Jesus answered, neither, and he uses a double negative. This is the only instance of Jesus ever answering a question, began a sermon, or initiated a conversation with a double exclusive no. He's saying, no, you idiots, but he didn't say idiots. He was nice enough to say, no, 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 no. Neither, not the man, nor his parents. It was an individual sin. It wasn't a collective sin or any unknown sin. That's not the reason. Now, this is a remarkable declaration of hope for you and for me and people we know that might come and ask us this question. Brilliant words of comfort. Well, I was in a terrible accident. I was in a terrible accident, right? Those of you that know what my wife no whining here I'm just trying to give you an illustration so my wife had cancer twice two different kinds of cancer in the last 18 months by the grace of God she seems to be cancer free thank Jesus the illustration goes on we're just getting started no I'm teasing And some of you know, I was in a terrible accident out here at the corner and I'm leaving church on a Saturday night service. I mean, how holy can you get? That's a joke. (laughs) And so I'm driving down the street, guy runs a red light and just crushes my truck. I'm more upset about the truck than I am about me. It was a cool old truck. Well, guess what? Satan comes in and says, well, it's because of your sins. And I say, nah, (laughs) if it was because of my sins, I would be dead and burning in hell. Talking to this girl that has all these difficulties in her life, and she says something like, you don't understand, okay. (laughs) I, I don't have the same things you have, but she says, why is life doing this to me? Why is God allowing all these things to happen? She didn't blame God completely. But why is it so difficult that these things happen to me? I said, no, no, no. Life is happening for you. Life doesn't happen to you. The creator of the universe loves you, and he's trying to draw you into a closer relationship with him. That's true for every one of us in this room. And so he allows difficulties. He said, count it all joy. Paul, really count it all joy when trials come upon you? Yes, because they work patience and obedience. You'll be closer to God, it'll be a wonderful relationship. Could we pass on the trials, Lord? He says, no, we won't pass on the trials. But life is happening for you. What is it you're going through? This guy would like to say, wait a minute. I've been blind for a long time. Jesus said, I'm going to do something in your life that's going to change your eternal destiny and the way you look at life from now on forever. We're here for a short time. We're going to live for eternity. That the works of God should be, in fact, revealed in this man. We live in a broken world. It's fragmented. But this man is going to be blessed. When he had said these things, Jesus spits on the ground, Ew, and made clay with his saliva. That's not sterile, Lord. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And Jesus said go wash in this pool of Siloam. It's only about three blocks away from the temple so it's really close. It means sent and he went, he washed it doesn't say anywhere that he was expecting to be healed. Jesus doesn't say I'm giving you your sight. The man doesn't go there washing his eyes thinking he's going to see just obediently gets the mud. Here's mud in your eye right? (laughs) Gets it all out and he comes back astounded. He can see. Now, that's just part of the miracle. What do you do with those images when you've never seen them before? I read a book by Oliver Sack. He's a neurosurgeon, a neurologist. And he had a patient named Virgil. It's in a book called Anthropologist on Mars. You can still get it on Amazon. And he operates on this man who is blind from birth. And when the man wakes up after the corneal transplant, he can see. But he said, Virgil's first experiences with sight were confusing. He was unable to make out colors and movements, but arranging them in a coherent picture is even more difficult. Over time, he learned to identify various objects, but his habits, his behaviors were still those of a blind man. He walked around feeling things. Dr. Sachs wrote, one must die as a blind person to be born again as a seeing person. In the interim, the limbo, it's a terrible thing. So Jesus has given this man the ability to see but he's also given him this index in your brain that catalogs everything. Now we're going to go a little side trip into biochemistry and biology just a moment. But this is a movie of a brain, not a human, this is actually a mouse brain, and the red dots are synapses, the green the neurons, the blue are the axons or the dendrites that are in your brain. This is the first time it's ever been photographed with color. It's from Stanford University. Just did this a, a few years ago and now they're beginning, they have had to go through it and hand count all the little red dots. Now we've known for many years that synapses is the seat of memory, but we didn't know how and we still don't know for sure. But they hand counted and then checked it in the human brain, you have 125 trillion, with the T synapses. Now the little connecting point, the synapses, can go a thousand different ways, as well as it is a computerized storage unit. Just the synapses. You have 125 trillion of them, which means that your brain has more memory and capacity than all the computers on earth tied together on the internet at the same time watching really bad music with youtube more than that all the wall switches all the electrical appliances every electronic device every electrical device on the planet is less than The memory you have in your brain. So don't expect artificial intelligence to save the planet. It ain't going to happen. The computer would be more than 10,000 miles across. It won't fit in downtown L.A. I'm teasing you. Okay. What are you telling us, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that Jesus created all the memories. How does memory work? Okay. Okay. So last night when you slept, if you did, everything that you saw, because 88% of everything that comes into our brain is visual, was collected together, condensed, and moved from the front of your brain to the back of your brain. Okay, you got two eyeballs, got occipital lobes in the back, not in the front. Why is it all the way back there? Because it's got a lot of storage devices to go through the distance from here to here. But one big index in computer programming, they call it the B-tree. That index is being created when you sleep. If you don't sleep at night or you have poor sleep, then what happened yesterday doesn't get moved from short-term memory to long-term memory, which is why we believe Alzheimer's acts the way it does. An Alzheimer patient can't remember what happened today but can give you great details about what happened 21 years ago. Because 21 years ago, their brain was working when they slept at night, all the random access memory, the short-term memory, was moved to the back of the brain. But now they can't do it anymore at night. They're not able to do that. Too much plaque and all these synapses are, are clogged. Consolidation and indexing done by Jesus at the same instant. So he was healed physically, he was healed mentally, and he's about ready to be healed spiritually. It's a journey of sight, and you're on the same journey as am I. Therefore, the neighbors and those who, verse eight, previously had seen that he was blind, said, is this not he who sat and begged? The man is a beggar, way down the socioeconomic scale. Years ago, when Raylan and I were schooled in Switzerland, We had a a teacher named Paul Little, he was the founder of InterVarsity, great guy. Dr. Little said, we're all beggars, and you're wandering around the street looking in dumpsters for something to eat, and you go down an alley, you turn a corner, and there is a banquet set out. Think the biggest Christmas-slash-Thanksgiving-slash-birthday dinner you've ever seen, and you run up to the table and you start chowing down and you eat until you can't eat anymore. Then you decide, you think, "Why, oh, my friends, they're hungry. And so you go out and you try and find your friends and you find one of your friends and you say, hey, don't eat that garbage. Come with me. There's a whole dinner out here. It's just all laid out. He said, no, that's good for you. I'm glad you like that. That's what happened when I went to all my friends when I first got saved, all my scientist friends. I said, listen, the Jesus thing, it's not a hoax. It's the real deal. He changes people from the inside out. I'm glad for you. (laughs) You're glad for me? No, come on, you you need this too. Come on, try and taste this food, it's amazing. No, then I said, but he does miracles. And then they say, now we know you've lost it. So what do you do?
0: You're listening to Grow in Grace with our teacher, Pastor Ed Ray. He's covering John 9 today. And here he is with the second half of today's message, picking up in verse 9.
1: Some said, this is the guy, verse 9. Others say, well, it looks like him. The guy says, I'm him, it's me, I'm me. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Wrong question. H-O-W, no, W-H-O, who? Now, they're gonna move, here's the progression. He answered and said, a man called Jesus. That's all he knows. This is not a miracle connected to faith. It wasn't because this man had great faith, Jesus said, go wash, I'm going to be able to see. He doesn't even know why he's washing, he's just trying to get the mud out of his eyes. He only thinks Jesus is a man at this point. It's not because he knew he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, but it's going to change. A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received sight. He didn't say my sight. He didn't have any sight before. I got, I got to see. Then they said, to him, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. I love that statement, he was formerly blind. You remember the rock star Prince? Well, he changed his name from Prince at one time to the artist. And people had to say, well, the artist who was formerly Prince, this is the blind guy who was formerly blind, the Pharisees. They brought him to the Pharisees. Now, these are the religious zealots. Now, it was Sabbath. Dun-dun-dun-dun. When Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath if you were a Jew, particularly in the first century. When the Pharisees then asked him again, how, whoops, wrong question still, how he had received his sight, he said to them, he put clay in my eyes, I washed and I see. He doesn't know, we don't know. Now, the deal is it was the Sabbath, and they believed you couldn't do any work. Well, what constitutes work? I'm glad you asked. They started writing it in a book called the Talmud, and that was interpreted by the Mishnah, and pretty soon you have 47 volumes of what you can't do on the Sabbath. You can't pick up anything heavier than a dried fig. Okay? So if you did, you were doing work, and you could be excommunicated from the local synagogue. Well, what's the big deal about excommunication? Listen, in that time, You couldn't do any business. You couldn't even buy food. You didn't have any credit anywhere. You couldn't have anything legal that was done because you were outside of the law now. You'd been kicked out of your synagogue. So that's what they're putting on this guy. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such miracles? How could he be a sinner if he was doing miracles? There was a division among them. Now... You need to go to Israel to really understand the mindset of what Sabbath is there. But all of you are Sabbath breakers. Number one, Sabbath is on Saturday. But you ignited the fire to get to church. Started your car, okay? Can't start a fire on the Sabbath. But if you go to Israel, you see the Sabbath elevator in a hotel and there's one elevator that's designated for Sabbath, and you go in it and none of the buttons work because you're not supposed to use the buttons because it goes up one floor at a time. So if you're far up in the hotel, it's gonna be a long time getting to your room. I have a friend who's a physician. When he was there, he was trying to find a Sabbath pen. Yes, they make a pen just for doctors to use on the Sabbath. If somebody comes to you and they need a prescription, if you write out a prescription with this pen, They take it to the pharmacist, the pharmacist fills the order, the drug order, and files the prescription form and the ink disappears. So nobody could accuse you of working on the Sabbath and healing somebody. Coffee makers, you got to plug them in the night before with the timer with all the coffee and the water in it so in the morning it turns on automatically. You turn the dial the night before when it wasn't the Sabbath. And you see, okay. So that's what they're they're thinking. Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath. Oh no! What can we do? They said to the blind man. So what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. Now he says, well, he's a prophet because somehow he healed me. And so Jesus moves in his mind from a man to a prophet. But keep watching. But the Jews didn't believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. They didn't believe he was born blind. They thought he was faking. It was all a fraud. So they called his parents of him who had received sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? How, wrong question again, how does he then now see? His parents answered, verse 20, and said, We know that this is our son, And he was born blind. Yep, that's him. But by what means he now sees? We don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. He is of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. The parents are afraid they're going to get excommunicated here from the synagogue. Go ask the kid. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they called the man who was blind in and said, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. I love his answer. So this beggar, you know, he's not real high up financially he's not impressed with these guys that are the supreme court justices of the nation of israel and he said whether he's a sinner or not i don't know one thing i know i once was blind but now i see now you know where john newt got his line for amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You see, that's the problem with every one of us. We are all born blind spiritually, and God has given the opportunity for life, for sight. So this is his journey of sight, but it's very much your and my journey of sight too. So I was blind, but now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They're asking a blind beggar. He's not a physicist, okay? He answered and said to them, I told you already, but you did not listen. He healed my eyes. Maybe he can heal your ears. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Whoa, getting a little snippy with the high court. Verse 28, they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we don't know where he is from. The guy's answer is classic. Got one more. Why, this is a marvelous thing. This is amazing that you don't know where he is from. And yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not, now his theology is not perfect, okay? He's thinking of Psalm 66, which says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I allow sin in my heart, God won't hear my voice. That's not what David meant when he wrote that. It's not right. God hears sinners. When a sinner prays, God is there listening Right? That's where this is going. So, but if any, verse 32. Since the world began, it is unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So this guy's giving him a great little sermonette in the Supreme Court of the land. They're ticked now. They answered and said to him, you are completely born in sin and your mother is ugly and you have bad breath. You yeah, know, they just start calling him names, okay? They threw him out. Jesus heard that he had been cast out, and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord? That's beautiful. That I may believe in him. Now, Gospel of John, 98 times, believe in him is listed. It's the reason, the way that, a person who is a blind, begging sinner has a relationship with God. You know you're a sinner, and you say, God, forgive my sins and take my life. Who is he that I might believe in him? You have both seen him, Jesus said, and it is he who is talking with you. Great answer. The guy you're looking at, that's what he's saying. Then he said, Lord, I believe. da da There it is. And he worshiped him. Worship, yeah, the Greek word proskaneo means your forehead in the dirt. He went down when Jesus said, you're talking to him. Put his head on the ground and and you would have and I would have too if I had just received my sight from him. I'd have grabbed onto his ankles and I wouldn't have let go. He'd have to drag me across the parking lot. He's worshiping him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world That those who do not see may. People who know they can't see will get to. And those who see, who think they understand spiritual things, will be made blind. It's talking about humility here. If you're a Pharisee and you think, well, you know, I was born into the church. Wrong answer.
0: Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packinghouse Christian Fellowship. And if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77 Grace. That's 844-77 Grace. This program is listener supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Sick be healed in the crippled son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your